and welcome to an all-new Marvel cast explosion of X hub of all things Marvel. We're going to talk about everything MCU and beyond, from Avengers and Defenders to Scar and Aragorn. My name's Ashley Hobley. Joining me today is Ultimate Kieran Marchant. Is this the point where I play Immigrant Song? Like, do we play it now, or do I play it, like, at the end, or, or both? We play both, right? Both. Okay. And now, also joining us is the astonishing Dove Light. Play it when the fight kicks off, so whenever you decide. I've already played so, it, so. Both, oh, okay. oh, he's already played it. That's, wow, okay. But we've got to play it a second time, because there isn't any other songs for this movie, apparently. Look forward to the rest of the episode to see where the immigrant song pops up. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, so here we worked it out. This episode, we're talking about Thor Ragnarok. So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer, like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self-discovery. Where I met you. Where are we? You have no idea. Hello, the goddess of death has invaded Asgard. Oh, I've missed this. And you and I had a fight recently. Did I win? No, I won easily. Doesn't sound right. Well, that's true. Asgard is dead. And it'll be reborn in my image. I thought you'd be glad to see me. We need to stop her here and now to prevent Ragnarok, the end of everything. Uh, released 2017, directed by Taika Waititi, written by Eric Pearson, Craig Kyle, and Christopher L. Yost, uh, based on Thor by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby, starring Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hildestein, Kate Blanchett, Idris Elba, Jeff Goldblum, Tessa Thompson, Kyle Urban, Mark Ruffalo, and Anthony Hopkins. Deprived of his mighty hammer, Mjolnir, uh, Thor must escape the other side meow, of the meow. universe to save his home Asgard from Hela, the goddess of death. Uh, Kieran, I don't know if you remember this, but this is the first movie that we all watched together. Is it really? Yeah. That's, that's, impr- that's all right. I did not remember that. that- How many yes. movies do you think we've watched? <laughs> not many. Not many. One. But it's it's a- one. We watch more than one. It's we one. We watch more than one movie together. <laughs> Uh, no, in you person, and Ash have you and Ash in have. person? All three of us, well, yes. No, all I three of like us. All three of us. Okay. All right. I always watch one. And Happy Shepherd, and you know. Yeah. What, uh, you and Ash watched uh, something else. At we Melbourne. watched The Star Is Born in Melbourne. Yeah. And you and me watched uh, Yesterday in Tassie. Yes. Yeah, that was the thing. So all three of yeah. us have watched. Yeah. So you, Kieran's a little slump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a movie slump. <laughs> <laughs> but as, as a as a tr- as a trio, it's just this one. Yeah. yeah okay. Um. Yeah. yeah. No, it definitely is. And uh, that was the. You know what? Watching it with you two is just obviously the pinnacle of my watching experience, and it's never going to be quite as good ever again. Um. But this movie's really good. This movie is. Um. Taika Waititi does a great job of of infusing this movie with comedy and and bringing those aspects of thor to light that we've always had in thor um thor has always had some kind of humor in lace with him i think that's just been pulled to the forefront and allowed to flow more naturally um 
I think overall, all of this movie works really well. Um, Chris Hemsworth does a great job. I really love, like, I think this is my favorite Mark Ruffalo performance as Banner, just because he's just so out of it and so like, like he's not like normally you play. He plays very much the straight man, like he's very much the logical thinker of the group or the smart person. And he's just out of it in this movie. It's so much fun to watch him um, have some fun and mess around a little bit in the more kind of that more comedy setting. Um, makes me sad that the Warriors 3, even though they were side characters in the past two Thor, are just cannon fodder in this movie. Like, two of them just get blown to bits in the first, like, ten seconds they're on yeah, screen. They get stabbed like, very quickly. Yes, yes, they get, um, yeah, properly shish um uh, very yep. quickly. Uh, but no, I think this movie's good. Uh, I my quip about immigrant song is I always find it funny that we have um, Guardians of the Galaxy that's very much built on having this eclectic soundtrack of music and that is well co- like kind of picked out and done. And then this song is like no 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 immigrant song is important to this movie because Taika Waititi used immigrant song as a lot of inspiration. We're slapping it at the start of the movie. We're slapping it at the end of the movie. There is nothing else. It's like oh okay sure yeah because Karen at the end of the movie. They're all going to be immigrants. Well, also true. Also very true. Um, but no, I, the only thing that I will... I, this movie, I wish this movie and Black Panther had swapped spots. Because I think this movie leads really well into the... Um, it literally... Infinity War. It yeah. literally is like the start of Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, so. it literally <laughs> leads connected to Infinity War. It's crazy to think there is Black Panther in between this movie and Infinity War. Yeah. Like, do you imagine? Like, we had probably, yeah, we had like almost a year to wait after watching the end of this, where it's like, oh no, freaking Thor's running to Thanos. What's going to happen here? Well, they don't know it's the Thanos for sure. I think it's like a big Kree ship. It's like, oh, it's like the Kree. They because it it looks like a Ronan ship. So, Mm, yeah, true, true. Uh, Dylan, from my memory, you didn't really love this film. Yeah, has, I like has time movie. changed film? Has, has time, time changed, changed film? your feelings? Sure have. Like we've got some, <laughs> we've got some different <laughs> films over here. Um, no, I, I still stand by all my, all my criticisms. But I, it's like a meme that I, I, I hate this movie when I just like I gave it like a set. I'd give it like a seven or whatever when everyone else is giving it like an eight or a nine or whatever. Um, I, 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 I think I enjoyed as much for the the best parts of it is it's. Like first half, I guess is the best part. I actually think on this rewatch, I found the second half to just be really weirdly paced, like kind of all over the show. Like as soon as you get, I guess, to the end of the fight with Hulk, from then onwards, it just kind of feels weirdly paced to me. It doesn't mm. like up until that point, you've got this real rhythm to the movie. I feel like everything just seems to be going like at the like it, it just everything's rolling along and it's like comedy, comedy joke scares i don't know what like everything's going and as soon as that fight of hulk's over it's like the movie kind of just comes to a halt for a little bit and then it's kind of just switches like if it was playing one song at that point all of a sudden we're playing at a different tempo kind of thing and it's, i found it a, a little bit jarring but um and then you, you know one of my other big criticisms from the movie is as much as i think you know mark ruffalo is quite funny in this movie and all that sort of sort of stuff i i definitely feel like I personally wanted uh, a more actual serious take on what Hulk and Banner was going through in this movie, and it's mostly just played for laughs, which I guess is 
a criticism at Marvel in general because they quite often do that with a lot of their characters when I know they're like, well, they're Marvel movies, you know, they're going to make all the jokes and stuff, but to a degree, I just feel like they waste a lot of good potential story ideas and like character beats and stuff and just play them all for, for jokes. So that's I guess one of my big the, criticisms. I think that's the problem with him having him in this movie because having him in this movie, you don't have the time to go through those sections as more without taking away from Thor and without taking away from the main storyline of the rest of the movie. I think if they had a Planet Hulk or if they did the Hulk got his own separate movie, I think we would have had a better, much more um, focused experience on that and explored that kind of dynamic that happens between the two. Because I don't think you get the, like, it doesn't really um, process, even though if you think about it, it, it's the way it is. But, like, the moment before um, Banner throws himself onto the bridge at the end, you don't get that inner monologue or that understanding that right then he's really worried about the fact that if he turns into the Hulk, is he going to turn back quickly, or is it going to be another two years before his banner again? Yeah. Which was like, the, which was my big one call out when we watched the movie. How that's literally just played for it, like a splat he lands on the ground where as it, he literally says like he's so scared about turning into Hulk, and then they they, they just turn it into uh, uh, someone hitting the ground, slap. Oh no, is he okay? And he, of course, yeah, he, turns into Hulk he was so scared that he didn't turn into the Hulk. It's only because but, he technically died. Hulk well, came out, <laughs> but he's scary is. That his scare was that if he turned into Hulk, that he would wouldn't come back again, or he wouldn't be able to come back again. So it's not it's not, yeah. not scare of dying. It, it's a scare of him being stuck as the Hulk going forward. I think which, it's the first time that yeah, that's what was holding him back from transforming into the Hulk. That's why he slid yeah. into the ground. Yeah, it's fair. Although I guess what he was he would have always been scared of being the Hulk before. So why did that work? But yeah. anyway. Mm. He was always scared of becoming the Hulk because he always knew he always had a um as he explained in this movie back, yeah. like he he says you know he always had this both hands on the wheel and that was the first time as he as he says it felt like he was just in the passenger seat or or whatever yeah. and he doesn't even remember it so yeah I definitely feel like it is kind of unfortunate that we never got the Hulk film somewhere amongst like this and this um, this and, and and Ant's game yeah. Yeah, somewhere along the way there. Just he, and it's funny because he actually goes through so mo- so many changes as a character, and so much happens to him. But he's the only main Avengers uh, Avenger because Black Widow's getting her own movie coming up, obviously. But other than like, he's literally the only one who hasn't had a movie to sort of delve into more. And that's the thing where people go, "Oh, but you have the Ed Norton movie before it," and it's like, "Yeah, but yeah, but- I do- I never feel the connection between the Ed Norton movie and Mark Ruffalo." Like, I just don't, even though we've, we've watched them and I've watched them multiple times together now, that I just don't feel the connection between those characters. It does feel like a different Bruce Banner when he kind of comes around in Avengers. Well, yeah, I feel like, obviously, there's was a connection between the Avengers' Bruce Banner and Edward Norton's. You could see pieces, but we're so far from that version now that, you know, there's barely any pieces left of it. Other than him being green, that, that's pretty well, similar. Yeah, that's a, that's a given. <laughs> Not the same shade, that's... though. Not the same shade. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess how, how we feel about the rest of the film. Um, well, I'll give my thoughts. I loved it. I loved it at the time. I still love it. I thought uh, they obviously went... Obviously, the last two films Thor had been in, Age of Ultron and Thor The Dark World, 
were not well received. <laughs> uh, so they decided, hey, we'll just go and take Thor in a different direction, keep it fresh. Uh, they went this more comedy route with bringing in Taika. Um, I think they nailed it. <laughs> uh, he's got his own style. Uh, although also interesting looking back at like the facts, like he wasn't a credited screenwriter on this, which is kind of crazy. Uh, that you would you would have thought like certain elements I seem very Taika-ish. A- I'm sure he in- improvised a fair bit on the. Sc- I've, I've always just assumed he's an uncredited writer on the movie. Like, yeah, he, well, he probably so. did a lot of stuff that uh, for the Writers Guild or whatever didn't quite meet the criteria. Uh-huh. Like all the Korg stuff. And, yeah, uh, it's like you can't tell me someone else wrote all, <laughs> all of Korg. Like Korg is no. all of Taika. Like that's just... Yeah. Yeah, or, that's... or help me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or even like the, there's the, that one... It's literally a call... There's a literally callback in this movie to... Um, uh, uh, I'll take that and put it, uh, fucking the castle. The castle. There's a callback to the castle line. It's like I'll stick that in my trophy cabinet. Um, I mean, did you just catch that? No, you know that's you know a the- pretty standard. No, 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 no. Saying, look, I'll, I'll, I'll find the actual. It's, it's a callback. You're gonna tell me it's not a reference <laughs> to the castle? It probably, I, it probably is if it's coming from Tiger. Um, I think between Tiger's comedy and just. Jeff motherfucking Goldblum is really just fun in this movie. Like, even just his... There's, like, just his facial expressions in several parts where there's... I can't remember where he asks a rhetorical question and then, like, the next, like, 10 to 15 seconds is, like, nothing else but just him pulling faces about the rhetorical question. is just... It's just a lot of fun. It's just really good. Um, His performances throughout and just different, like, his... uh, kind of announcements where he's requesting for for the Thor and his champion to be captured. Um I just think I really do enjoy his his portrayal throughout this entire thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then we we also kind of gloss over but Odin dies at the start of this film. <laughs> uh Anthony Hopkins man. What, I think he just actor. joined the force actually but Yeah, I think that's probably what happened. <laughs> yeah. He he, he uh he got snapped away before everybody else did. Maybe. He knew what was about to happen. He was like, I'm just going to take myself out now. Maybe that yeah. saves somebody else who was going to get snapped. You know, I'm just do it. Yeah, That's give someone fine. else a 50-50 chance. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, quickly before we dive into that, call back to a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yes, that fall scene at the end of Doctor Strange is literally just taken from the movie. So. <laughs> it's just like yeah. scene for shot for shot, just yeah, yeah. cut and pl- paste. Uh, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I really do do enjoy that Doctor Strange segment, though, even though it... Uh, obviously, I don't know, was it just put in there to get Doctor Strange in the film? Um, to, to make Doctor Strange a bigger character? I feel like it shows know. Doctor Strange's progression in the timeline, like how Doctor Strange has progressed as a character since that movie, so that when we see Doctor Strange in Infinity War, we don't feel like there's been such a big jump or a big leap for the character in that's that true. time period where they clearly exactly. has been he's pretty like, much he's pretty close to being sorcerer supreme i don't know if he's yeah exactly by name but yeah uh obviously he's got his own adventures but yeah their interactions are great what a what a mug uh, self-filling mug of of beer pretty great was self-filling or he was he was helping fill it up how do you guys um? How do you guys feel about Hela? Because that's a I'm I'm like torn on Hela. Like part of me wants to say she's a good villain, but at the same time I feel like 
she didn't do anything too amazing or too over the top to make her just fine. I think that Kate Blanchett is great. I think that Hella is unnecessary for this movie. To a, to a degree, I feel like Hella could have just been saved for a completely different movie. Like an actual, I feel I feel like I know the movie is called Thor Ragnarok, and you know, well, it's all about Ragnarok because he's trying to get home. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly feel like combining the Planet Hulk storyline in parts to the Ragnarok storyline are just, I know, it, it, one was going to get the, you know, the the worst of the wear for that, and I feel like it's the, the Ragnarok storyline and that, and Hela as a character. She just doesn't do. Like she, she's very cool See, when she's on ske- screen and scaring Kate Blanchett's yeah. great, but like by the time you get to the end of that m- end of the movie and their showdown or whatever, I'm like, oh. I don't know. Yeah, she just Why? murdered half <laughs> Asgard, but other than that, I mean, yeah, but she's just she not, doesn't do much. It's not like, it's like, like she could kill everyone, but I just mean she's just you know, I don't I, don't, I didn't get attached to her. I didn't feel like I really got to know her that much. I don't know. Well, what's her yeah, it's a bit difficult when your like your main hero is on another planet. Yeah. Ages away. And there's even like, even like going back to like there are a number of scenes between her and Scourge, but that doesn't those scenes never add depth to the character. There's never any kind of emotion or like deep down, like no. for a character that was just like kind of pushed aside by her father, like there's no depth to the emotion there. It's just I'm angry girl gonna blast everything away and destroy everything and kill everyone like it's mm. it's just there's no substance to the character that i think is, is really missing from her in general yeah, it, yeah i honestly feel like they could i would have preferred to and i know this it's it doesn't really make sense because obviously they they need her and they need ragnarok because they they want to they want to kill off half as guardians and then send them off so you can lean into it like it's all the pieces of the puzzle of course but in a different world, I would have said you could do the exact same movie and just use a C-tier Thor villain instead of her, at, like, rampaging around home planet or someone else that you, you don't feel like was sort of wasted as much to a degree. Like, I feel like Kate Blanchett does so well with that role that she just deserved more. It's not that I don't think she's good. It's I actually I I mean, think she just deserves she's more. She's a god. She can come back. Yeah, I guess. Do, and we never really see her die. Like, the planet just explodes. She could just... <laughs> she could what a sen- out. What a, or- what a sentence. You never really see her die, but the planet explodes. And- yeah. But th- do you think this is the downside? Like, from all of our discussions so far, especially mentioning multiple times that we wish Planet Hulk was its own separate movie, do you, wi- do you think this is the downside to the MCU becoming as diverse as it is? Because in the opening phases of the MCU... We had the ability to have multiple Iron Man movies. We had the ability to have multiple Thor movies or multiple Captain Americas. Like there's that were and those movies were more focused on those characters. They weren't kind of um they weren't having to build in everything else. Do you think this is a downside of it that because of that there was only a limited amount of options for movies? Now. Like there's there's so many like well, they only want between because phases. Because there's so many different properties now. They're more stretched out. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Because when yes. you consider Thor Thor 1 came out in 2011, Thor The Dark World came out in 2013, Thor Ragnarok 2017, uh, Love and Thunder is not going to come out till 2022. So two years, four years, five years now between films. Uh, I know. I feel like this is going to be slightly negated by the MCU TV series, which will 
mm-hmm. probably see more of the smaller in-between stuff we're kind of looking for, like more character development, that kind of stuff, potentially. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I, I figured they there's no harm in using characters that I... That so few of the villains get reused. Yes. It doesn't really matter where you use them, in my opinion, in the end. <laughs> that's a like that's a point about MCU movies in general. One thing that really kind of separates them from the comics is the the lack of recurring villains. You know, like that's one of the standout things you've got. They've got to the stage where you have these big event films. You've got these crossover events. Like it's all very comic booky, blah blah blah. But yeah, it's it's just apart from Thanos. But, yeah, they haven't really done that in any comic book movies ever. I don't think. I can't think of. Many yeah, but like villains. the like Green Goblin between Amazing Spider-Man and like the Raimi villains and stuff. Well, I guess sorry, no recurring in like the same yeah trilogy series. I guess yeah. That's something I'd like to see more of. Though. I'm not saying the sequel uses the exact same villain, but you know, yeah. it's like, like if it's we're like... getting to like the third or fourth film potentially, it it would be like instead of that's why Thanos having... was kind of a big deal because. He well, appeared yeah, multiple you, times. You got to you, you understood him like he was a he was a, a psycho, but you, you, under, you understood him <laughs> as as well, a character. So he was more. That's that why. Way. That's why I'm like, guys, don't use Doctor Doom until you are prepared to use Doctor Doom a multiple lot. times <laughs> a lot because he's such a cool character and he's so fantastic. Imagine if we only get Doctor Doom in a Fantastic Four movie, then he fucks yep. off and shows up in the Avengers movie where they kill him or some shit. Like how yep. boring. Yeah, that'd be so. And like, look, that's the, that's the that's the, probably Doctor Doom is my favorite um, example of it because it's like in the space of a year of comic books, the amount of times Doctor Doom would appear in that year for multiple different franchises or different um, ongoing series is like there's there's a lot where he they use those characters and appear those characters. I think that's um, it, it's just one of the strengths of the MCU where. <sighs> From the hero's point of view, we have the MCU per like the MCU's great, where it's like the heroes are going across to each other, we've got multiple levels stacking up. From the villain side of things, we haven't got that continuity as such. Like even such as Hydra, which got built up and built up and it had a multiple but now it's like Hydra has fall to the wayside and is now really a minor um villain or a minor organization in the grand is scheme it though? of things. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It could be, which I would love for them to grow in power again and become more of a force, or to bring in AIM. This um, this is one yeah. of the reasons we do need things like the Sinister Six and stuff, though, because that way you can, or like I, I just mean like villain collectives in general, mm-hmm. because we've got we literally have they built they did all the separate hero movies, they built to Avengers, they got these crossovers between the heroes and the Avengers and all these other sorts of things, but they haven't done that with the villains which is yeah. in the comics they did that first isn't it? you know they build they they did the avengers then they were like okay well now we got to build a collection of the villains together so they can sort of fight the collection of heroes together but they've they've failed to do that aspect in the movies because that that would definitely help if you have a villain shop in one movie and then there's a secret organization if mcu could kind of do their own sort of whatever they want to call it based on something who knows but that definitely would be a cool angle to Even- take the franchise for even it would help avoid some of the. I think I actually eye rolled during this mo- during Ragnarok where the she summons all of the skeleton soldiers. I was like, "Oh, here's another like kind of valueless drone for the heroes to smash their way through." Okay, like it's, they uh, look cool doing it. I think this is the coolest Thor looks. 
Thor looks like, awesome. I really like how Thor looks at the end. Like even at the start of the film, just like taking out all the all the people in the fire world. I think yeah, his 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 fighting style is uh, perfected in this film. But yeah, uh, let's move into building the MCU. Uh, in this film, we get Tessa Thompson as uh, Valkyrie. Uh, so the Valkyria debuted in Thor. Uh, 133 October 1966, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Uh, but Brunhild, uh, who is the leader of them, who we assume that this version of Valkyrie is based on, uh, she debuted in the Avengers 19, uh, the Avengers 83, December 1970, by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. Uh, Tessa Thompson is amazing in this, uh, you know, after a breakout role in Creed, you know. Tessa Thompson is probably my favorite part of the movie, to be honest. Uh, I forgot how drunk she was. <laughs> That's <the start. laughs> great. Just falls straight off the side of the ship. Yeah, no. It's yeah. Fantastic. Uh, no, but she's definitely sort of standout from this. Like, I can't wait, you know, given that she's the queen of Asgard queen or of whatever. Asgard, yeah. yeah. New Asgard or whatever they call it in the movie. Yep. I, can't, I can't wait to see more of her in, the, in that role. And I, watching this got me more excited about that prospect. Even, um... Like, like one question that first I need answering in building the MCU is did Matt Damon's actor character from Asgard survive? Like, did, uh, did yes, he because escape? he flew into film at Thor at the moment in Australia. So that's right. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. d- well, Matt Damon is in the next movie. I don't know if he's going to be playing I'm just the assuming, Loki actor. I'm assuming it's just a bit playing the exact same actor. Really going through 14 days of quarantine just to play the same bit part? Nah, maybe. Maybe he's on he's holiday. He's got nothing better to do. Maybe he's, yeah, maybe he's lined up another movie afterwards. Like, it just works out. Who that's knows? That's true. You know? Maybe he... Imagine, he like, Thor is, like, super depressed, so he asks Matt Damon's character to come in and pretend to be his brother. That well, would, that's no. a great bit. That, that <laughs> would be a good bit. No, but that's the thing. When Disney offered Matt Damon a check, Damon was like, that's yes, not please. enough. And Disney... D- D- Matt's like, really? And then Disney added an extra zero, and he's like, yeah, sure. He's I'll like, come. anything like, to get out of America at the moment. Where do I have to go to exactly. film? Exactly. Also, Australia. shout out, shout out to uh, Alder Hemsworth playing uh, uh, that one, okay. the one from Westworld. Luke, that's it. Yeah, I guess shout out to Sam Neill playing Odin. I mean, he's, Sam Neill is pretty much Australia's uh, Anthony Hopkins, isn't he? And what's so. a fuck's in that scene? Um, uh, playing his mum in the play is a uh, I can't remember her name. Australian actress, actress um, from uh, the Babadook. And stuff isn't listed here in the Wikipedia notes. Man, what what kind of Wikipedia? Uh, Essie Davis. That's it. Oh, really? From uh, Baby Teeth. Either her or another. Oh, that's a double check. I can't fucking find it. It's her. It's her or someone else. I'll, I'll find it. Good now. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, Tess Thompson, really great. I love her relationship with Hulk, and then her and Banner, like feeling like they know each other. This whole second half of the film. Uh, and she's got her own internal battle as well, you know, of her entire crew being slaughtered by Hela in an amazingly shot <laughs> sequence uh, of all the Pegasi Pegas or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's some really, like, amazing shots in this as well. Like, this is a vi- very visually interesting film. Very visually interesting film, which is, uh, I-, I found interesting the first time watching it because, you know... Like I, I've watched every Tiger movie, and then we go to watch this, and I'm like, I feel like I know what a Tiger movie looks like. It's 
doesn't have special effects in it. So uh, <laughs> it was quite surprising <laughs> to see, you know, how, how big this was. I was like, okay. Hey, pull, what we do in the out. shadows had some great special effects in it, all right? I, I mean, actually, technically it does. So, yes. but like, no, not, does. Uh, not to this, uh, <laughs> not to this, this extent, level. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move into Stanley signing for this episode. Lee appears as servant to the Grandmaster on Sakaar, who cuts Thor's hair. Beforehand, he asked Thor to be still, saying, my hands aren't as steady as they used to be. Uh, poor, poor Thor. Like, he desperately didn't want his hair cut. Great acting by Chris Hemsworth. That was a good bit. Yeah. It's a great bit. Especially yeah, how that's like the, like, what happened to your hair? He's like, some creepy guy got it. Like, it was <laughs> just, it's just, uh, yeah, it's great. I think this is one of my favorites, Stanley sightings. Yeah. yeah it's, it's very good, you know. Full on Edwards is a hand shit. Yeah. No, that would mean uh, that someone dies. So, <laughs> spoilers. Uh, and that's been just Stanley's hiding for this week. Dylan, what's the most marvelous moment in Thor Ragnarok? Um, honestly, I, I know I usually try and pick something that's uh, actually mar- uh, marvelific or whatever you want to call it, mar- marvelish, marvelicious. But I don't think there is particularly one scene so i'm just gonna go for the moment that we saw from the trailer that still legit does make me laugh every single time i watch the movie and every time i watch the trailer which is yes i know him (laughs) from work and then cut to look of loki's face just absolutely distraught uh that is the that is the funniest part of the movie every single time i watch it i think it it literally is just sold on tom hiddleston just just like creeping into the back of his chair (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> uh, makes me laugh every time. So that's that. That is the funniest part of the movie. That's what my marvelous part of the movie. All right, uh, Kieran. What's the most marvelous moment of Thor Ragnarok? Um, I think uh, I really like Anthony Hopkins. Both of his sections with discuss- talking with Thor and Loki and Thor at the end. I think Hopkins himself is just amazing and revered as an actor to the- for a very good reason. Um, and I've loved his portrayal as um, Odin this entire time. And I think he does well in what we believe would be Odin's last movie or last section part of the MCU. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the Hulk Thor fight. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, from him being excited that Thor Hulk's there uh, to him getting smashed like a puny god and Loki very, being very happy uh, <laughs> and animated, you know, to him, like, getting his light, teasing his lightning powers for the first time. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> and then the look on his face when Hulk is coming down, uh, in that last shot. Brilliant. Uh, but also shout out the, uh, Thor going full Raiden at the end of the film uh, as well. That's really good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Even like, it's like, how nice were those, you know, insert random skeletons here for like clustering up in that massive group of them for him to jump into and smash into? I mean, that bridge is very like... t- narrow. I don't know, it was a very select point, and I was like, there's nobody under you. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to guys want to talk about? Shout out to Rachel House. She's funny. Yeah, she's great in this. Like, full-on hating Tessa Thompson's character. <laughs> Good shit. Just, and the way uh, Jeff Goldblum just responds every time, like, she's like, we just hands over the, like, zap stick or whatever. It's like, wait, she didn't actually do, like, it crime to die or like or whatever like, <laughs> all that sort of stuff it's great it's great yeah uh also shout out to uh carl urban perfecting his billy watcher but uh voice in this film 
Yeah, it's like it's like Billy Butcher, but a wimp. <laughs> Basically, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, he gets a redeeming moment, but yeah, you know. no. But if if it was, you know what I mean? Like if Billy, if a yeah. if a demon showed up on Billy, if Billy Butcher was the gatekeeper for for Asgard, and she showed up, she, he would have punched her in, in the face and got killed, probably. So yeah, probably there is there is something really charming about his introduction where he's like. There's one of the uh, perks of this job as he like walks off camera. He's like, "This is my stuff," <laughs> and it's just, it's just like every time. What do you, what's he call these guns? Or held on. It's this like, is this is dead. Yeah. and this is Troy. Yeah, because you know December, together they destroy. They destroy. <laughs> it's so lame. <laughs> also, those M16s have must have like the, the biggest extended ever. mags because it takes him a very long time to I'm, run. I'm out. Ju- I just wrote that off in my head as uh, he he puts them as guardian magic into those. Yeah, into those, yeah. they were modified <laughs> M- M16. Yeah, uh, I do love that entrance of Thor getting into off the Bifrost with the Fing Fang Foom head behind That's him. Right. Goo goes everywhere if those girls. Good shit. I like, the- I like how the shot just hangs on it as it like skids across the ground and the tongue falls out and everything. <laughs> tongue falls out, rise <laughs> all over. Yeah. My my other thing is after Thor um flies off in that section, just it, like the camera cuts back to Scourge as he kind of takes a moment of Running. fuck, I'm gonna be in so much trouble and starts like jogging up the bifrost. It, it's got to be awkward like running in those kind of outfits. Shouldn't say. I will say also. Because um, obviously you get all the the heroes die at the start. Whatever they're called, the hit like his, his heroes three, warriors heroes, three, warriors three. Um, but Sif, warriors Sif three doesn't, doesn't die, right? No, because no, she, she is going to show film. up. No, she wasn't in the. She film was in she... Hella's blind spot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Shout out to how many seasons did they have? One. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Several. I think it's more than one. I, I think it's several because no, because it was um the only reason I know is because Ashley Johnson Ashley. spends she's a lot of time away from Critical Role because she's in it. Um, because they shoot in New York. There you go. I think it's only just finished, like last year or the year before. Yeah. So maybe we'll get Sif back. Soon. I think it's already so. been confirmed. Has it been confirmed? Back at I some don't know. Point. Yeah, I think there's. She was cast or set in the cast list for one of the TV shows. I want, I want to say. Um, uh, no, she's she's listed on Thor: Love and Thunder. That's it. Cool. There we go. There we go. Because she was definitely the best. Obviously the. Because I think that was one of the most common questions to the Russos was what was she a part of the Asgardians or what happened to all the Asgardians and then they had the well the you know the Asgardians on that ship where Thanos was that was not all of them they no, managed which, to split off and some of them get out of the way yeah which does make sense like not yeah. obviously not all Asgardians being on planet makes sense but I've I've always thought like Star Wars analogy but it it always just reminds me of uh, in the comics they've done some storylines where. Old Iranians, I think is how you actually <laughs> people from Alderaan uh, who were off planet when Alderaan got destroyed, and then they just kind of became homeless and you know sort of rarities in the in the galaxy with the the few remaining alongside Leia and that sort of thing. So it's like if Asgard blew up, and then you had people like Sif and other ones that made a couple others throughout the galaxy. It's like what are their stories? Like how are they trying to reconnect to their people? Like how does Sif or uh, any other Asgardians out there find out? that there's actually a new Asgard set up on Earth. You know, like, I don't know. These are all the little mm. stories that I think are Could way more interesting than, than the actual stories happening half the time. <laughs> do the Disney Plus yeah. series, Sif. Do the stuff that you're not doing. <laughs> do Sif the series. Yeah. I don't know, just meet, meet in the middle sometimes. I feel like the Disney Plus is yeah. going to help me 
get along with Marvel a lot more because I'm going to get potentially more of these Weird stories shit. I want. There's more filler to it. Like, yeah. like it's like how you like, <laughs> like not filler, but like it's like how you enjoy with Star Wars that the movies aren't the pure kind of meat. Aren't the only source, there's, yeah. Aren't the only source of it. There's the books. There's comic books. Yeah. There's um, where the MCU adding these things gives their mm-hmm. writers more time to fill in information. And, yeah. and that's that, that's definitely one of the problem. My major problems with gripes for the MCU. As much as I enjoy watching movies, I'm having a lot of fun rewatching them at the moment. But I'm like, damn, everyone is just an event film, and I just wish there was more time for smaller things, which obviously Disney Plus is the, the answer for. Uh, how do we feel about the ending of the film? Obviously, the, he decides, you know what? The way to st- end it, solve the solution, just blow up the planet. I think it's smart. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it makes sense. It's a good play yeah. on Ragnarok. Instead of Ragnarok being a thing out of their control, it's a thing that he had to accept to be able to save his people. And um, yes. as, you know, as God, Odin as keeps God saying, is not a place. Yep. The only, the only thing that annoys me with the way this movie ends and like the opening of Infinity War though is just the fact that obviously this movie ends it's like we're going back to Earth like these are the remaining Asgardians like you kind of feel sorry for them obviously and you know as we were talking about with Immigrant at the start like how like sort of on the nose all of that is and I just kind of hate how at the start they just choose because I've always assumed that at the start of Infinity War there's like a couple Asgardians in the corner just huddled together like I just I assume Thanos, as we see in the movie, walked in, went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, you stand over there, and then he killed half of them because that's that's his rule. We know Thanos didn't murder everyone on that ship because yes, that's not how yeah. Thanos rolls. So I always just thought it was sort of poor taste to not show them because so many people still probably think that like it just so got confusing by the time you get to Endgame. We're like, where do these people come from? Like, what what was the you know, the thing, and then people watching Infinity War at the time were like, man, Thor literally just went through well, so much shit, chose to blow where... up his planet, and then had all these people killed, like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, especially with Infinity War, you go, wait, did Valkyrie die on this ship just now? Yeah, like, exactly, it's just, I don't like, know. Like, you've just introduced this cool character just to kill her off screen? What? It's, uh, yeah. Mar- Marvel, for the most part, are pretty good at getting their connective tissue, but sometimes, like, that's a good example of just... That that should have been fought through and done better. Yeah. Also, a shout out to uh, Hela just uh, getting rid of the one. Uh, uh, That's a fake plot hole. Or the... It's a fake. Yeah. yeah, getting rid of the fake Infinity. That again. Gauntlet. That anytime sometimes brings up like not just from Marvel stuff, but any sort of movie, Star Wars franchise or whatever. Sometimes you know people are like, man, that's a plot hole, and every time I'm just like, man. Half these things that people like to point out, I'm like, all it takes is two seconds in a movie or something for them to literally come up with the most simplest excuse, and they like they did in this movie, and it's like, yep, that works. No one can argue about it. <laughs> they just said it's a fake. <laughs> Done. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Anything else you guys want to talk about? No. I think More appreciation for uh, for for uh, what's his face? For Korg. Love Korg. Oh, Love he's Cork. great. Like, Piss even if you talk first. about... <laughs> <laughs> You've got nothing you... to worry about under the shiro paper scissors. That's a little paper scissors rock joke. <laughs> Nailed the accent. <laughs> Could you imagine starting your resistance but it failing just because you didn't print off enough pamphlets? <laughs> it was just my mum and my mum's boyfriend. It's so funny because... I know everyone like I. I feel like all of Korg is ta- is actually Taika humor. That's like legit Taika humor 
Yeah, the definitely. Most it's... straight out just Taika jokes in the movie. And a lot, a lot of people always point to like some other jokes as Taika humor. I'm like, no, no. That's him doing other jokes that would appeal to the larger Marvel fan base, mostly American audience. I'm like, the cork shit is him actually. That's legit his best jokes in the movie and his most authentic just Taika jokes that you would hear in these other movies. The other thing I would recommend is watch this with the director's commentary because uh, Taika's amazing in it. Uh, half of it is him trying to get his daughter to not change it to Frozen <laughs> instead. <laughs> so, you know, pretty great. Uh, let's move into comics recommendation. Uh, this episode we're talking about Avengers Disassembled Thor uh, written by Michael Avon Oming, uh, Andrea the vetoed pencil discs. Uh, so it pretty much takes place uh, during the Avengers disassembled arc in which the Avengers disassembled. Uh, but Thor is away separately in Asgard and uh, Loki has created all these hammers from the mold that Milnor was made out of uh, and brings about Ragnarok pretty much. That's why it's tied in. Yeah, I didn't read. Uh, I didn't get to this one, and um, you're just explaining yeah, it to like, me. Then I'm like, what? <laughs> yes, it, it's it's funny because it's very similar to uh, the past one, the previous one we talked about. I can't remember what it was called. The Thor uh, one. The, the other Thor one. Yeah. Yeah, I've got probably got it in my notes. The Dark World yeah. one that I didn't like. Yeah, the, 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 the War of the Realms. It's kind of similar. Uh, in that it's a world-ending event that uh, Thor... I've, I've only got like four or five issues in. I'm almost finished, but uh, it, it does feel similar to that, except without all the MCU involvement. Uh, Captain America and Iron Man show up for one issue uh, and helped him fight uh, some people, but, you know. Then he, he sends <laughs> them away so because he can't risk them dying in his battle. Uh, but, yeah. it's oh, This iteration of the Thor universe is quite different as well because it's... All of the different realms are all, like, on the one realm. Like, Jotunheim and all the other, the elf realm and all that are all on the same plane. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, at the end, where I'm up to, they're talking about the cyclical nature, nature of the destruction and recreation of Asgard. So, you know, it, it explains why, in this iteration, Odin's dead, all the Warriors 3 are dead, <laughs> Frigga's dead, uh, but uh, they come back, so... Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's it's a bit of a hard read. Obviously, this one came out in nineteen ninety eight, so it's like that era of comics. It's very um, I don't want to use the word dense, but like it's very full of like a lot of like I, it's overwordy. It's overwordy. <laughs> it is like some of the art style just hasn't aged very well. Um, yeah. So I only got through I think the first two issues, but yeah, um, it was still okay. It was just yeah, yeah it's just very dated. Yeah. But yeah, what you're saying is I wouldn't have liked it. No, yeah. you would not no, have, you liked, wouldn't it. have liked it. Yeah. I I figured as much, and that's why I didn't rush out the finish. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, Dylan just doesn't like Thor. We've gathered from these three episodes. Um, I I I know we'll come back next time when we talk about <laughs> Love and Thunder, and we're talking about the Mighty Thor Jane Foster edition. We'll see how much you feel about that. I guess. Uh, <laughs> But that brings us to the end of this episode of All New Marvel Cast. Let us know what you thought of Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Dissembled Thor on Twitter by going to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter. You'll find all our Twitter handles there. 
let us know what you thought. Uh, on our next episode of the MCU Rewatch, we'll be talking about Black Panther. So make sure you watch that and join us next time for another all new Marvel cast.